This is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island, and I have a question for you. Could it be that you are listening to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream? This is a top pocket find, mate, for sure. Welcome to The Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream. I'm your host, Jeff Freeman, and right over here, I have my co-host, Jack Campbell. Welcome, Jack. Thank you, Jeff. And today we have the honor of having back on the show, Dr. Aaron Taylor. Dr. Taylor, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me back. Oh, man, I tell you what, I've been waiting for it all season, uh, simply because of the fact that, you know, you were, we had you on back in December, and it was a great show, and it was awesome, but I know you were so restrained because there was so much that was still to come on the show for us that you couldn't talk about. That had to be hard. Oh yeah, that was that was tough. And trying to remember, you know, if, if that had been already shown, and no, I was, you know, I, I, I'm much freer now, so I'm really looking forward to to talking today. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I know that in in Canada, also you, uh, all of you have not even seen the season finale yet. I think that's going to be on tomorrow night. Is that right? That that's right. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward <laughs> to it for sure. Yeah, we've all seen it, of course, and uh, and again, uh, it was uh, a very uh, emotional one right at the end there. I know many of us uh, um, with Rick, um, the, the portion with Rick going on there and the tribute that his brother Marty gave to him, and the fact that you all said you guys would follow him anywhere uh, with his leadership. Man, that I, I tell you what, yeah. I, we all cheered yeah. up. Yeah, I, I know I can't speak for other people, but I wasn't expecting that from what Marty was saying, and... I definitely wasn't expecting the reaction from Rick. Um, you know, I think everyone was quite choked up and Rick is a very special guy. And I know I'm not telling anyone here anything they don't already know, but, uh, you know, here's a turning 70, I believe. I don't think it's a secret his age and, you know, no one worked harder than Rick and right to the end, we were knee deep in the swamp freezing and he's just slugging away with me right there. And, you know, star of one of the biggest shows on TV yeah. down in the muck. And yep. uh, that that's inspiring as far as I can, you know, <clears throat> I've always been drawn to people like that. My father was like that. And uh, I just have the utmost respect for, for people like Rick and, and, you know, Marty's no slouch either. And, and Craig Tester, he's not afraid of a, a the working end of a shovel. So, um, right. Yeah, no, it was, it was a wonderful experience. But that last uh, that last uh, day was certainly emotional for everyone. Oh, I can imagine, especially after all the hours and everything you guys put in on that island each and every day. It's it's amazing, um, and then being able to turn around and and have a meeting like that. It really had to, um, you know, it, it topped off the season and in, in, in for us as well. Um, just simply because we know that so much integrity on the island from all the different members, the cast members, the crew, the camera folks, the sound people, all the people that are there. Um, you guys make a wonderful program for us and engaging oh, and it's entertaining, but it's also very um, educational. Um, yeah. and it's just wonderful. Where were you and Miriam on that? Were you on the, were on the, I know you were not in the war room at the time. I was in the research center because of because of COVID. They had Miriam and I were in the research center. Uh, Laird and Liz were in the museum. Um, they had us scattered all over just just for numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
You didn't have so many in there at once. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, as we get started here, I know that uh, you, um, you know, as being a teacher uh, also, and with COVID going on, I know that's made a big difference for you um, happening. But um, in the past, I know that you have worked with, and I think you call them field schools, where you start and you go out and you actually teach students in the field, in the field of archaeology, of course. Um, you've done this around in Nova Scotia and also down in Cuba as well. Is that correct? Yes. We've five, four years. We've run a field school in Cuba. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. We run a field school for students and that runs usually in May, sometimes June. It's three weeks. And, but we run a public program for, uh, non-students. Um, and we've had, uh, we've run two of those. Last February was obviously canceled, um, but we're going to run another one. Hopefully, this February, you have you don't need any experience. The last one we ran, we had a 14 year old working beside an 81 year old. Wow! And uh, wow. we take 12 people. Uh, it's on a, a slave plantation in Cuba. We work alongside Cuban archaeologists, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We spend six days in the field. Uh, another six days back in Havana in the lab, analyzing and processing the artifacts. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to museums, cultural trips, dancing. Um, you know, it is a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to to run it again in uh, February 2022. I'll post information once it's been decided. I think late summer, it's through St. Mary's University in Halifax. Mm -hmm. And um, once if they green light it, then I'll put up all the information and then, you know, first come, first serve sort of thing. Wow. But yeah, it is and a lot of fun. You met Miriam that way, didn't you, originally? Yes, Miriam was a student of mine. Two years, she came twice. And, uh, you know, wonderful student, hardworking, um, you know, and it was quite challenging in Cuba. You know, I don't know what 40 degrees Celsius is in Fahrenheit, but you know, it's hot and day in, day out, she worked her butt off. Um, we had a great banter. She was always like, Dr. Taylor, here's your book. Here's your pencil. You forgot your glasses. <laughs> and um, when the producer said, Aaron, do you know any female archaeologists who might want to come on the show and, and work? I immediately thought of Miriam because I know she wasn't going to be uh, shy. I know she wasn't going to be too deferential to me um and she's she's excellent so i phoned her up she's like oh i don't know um can i have a day to think and i said yes take a day and think an hour later she phoned me back and said you know what i'm in <laughs> and uh I, I think she was an amazing addition to to the oh, show absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely i've got a couple <clears throat> pictures here if i can uh, let's see here there's one there now this is one of your teams uh down in cuba and i think that's yeah. Miriam's Miriam. standing right behind you, isn't it? Right in the middle with the white shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, yeah this, well, this is a team. Now, they're mixed up from all kinds of different uh, people. You get you get people joining you from all over the world. Is that right? We've had China, uh, the United States, uh, mostly from Canada. And in this one with students, we also uh, invite Cuban students come with us as well. And there's been lifelong friendships made between the Canadian students and the Cuban students. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. yeah it's truly really amazing. And I know that this, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, this particular place, um, it, it turns out it was a, um, 
uh, slave plantation, I guess, right? And I know you guys had some interesting finds there. Um, there's yeah. one here that was showing, I'm going to bring it up real quick. It looks like a, a shackle key or some kind of, what, what was this piece here? Yeah, a student found that, and uh, I believe it's a shackle key. Um, you know, it was just a reminder about where we are. Um, it, it's a spectacularly beautiful place, um, but it also has that really horrible dark side. And the whole idea of the project was to tell the story of these enslaved people. Mm -hmm. um, they were listed as, as livestock with the livestock, ah. and no one, they didn't have a voice. So this project is giving them a voice. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty important story. And the students who come are very serious about what, what they're doing. You know, there's a time to have fun and then there's a time to get to work. And uh, it's been an amazing, amazing project. So if that's something your listeners are interested in getting their hands dirty and um, <laughs> drop me a line and I'll tell you more about it. All right. I, I tell you, I was just watching the chat. As you mentioned that, uh, I was watching the chat over here and, and people are going, what, 12? When do we, and huh? you might have, <laughs> you're going to have about 300 people trying to sign well, up for, I think it takes 12. I, I, I'd be willing to make two trips. And just before we get off the topic, Americans can participate because it's designated as an educational trip. Uh, uh -huh. Americans can participate in it. No problem. So oh your American listeners, uh, don't worry about it. If you're wow. interested, uh, February 2022. All right. Well, he, you heard him say that he's going to put up something on our group page. He'll let us know, or he can let me know, or Linda, and we can do it, uh, put it up yeah. for him. But, um, man, that's that's truly exciting. And, and I know that, you know, you, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, the field of archaeology. You don't see too many. You, I think you mentioned it yourself on, on our last interview. You said, well, you know why you don't see TV shows about archaeology that much? Because a lot of it is boring. I mean, there's a lot of painstaking work that goes in and not a lot of, you know, sometimes you might be in the middle of a, a, a work a dig someplace that really just produces piece after piece, but then you might have some that really you struggle to find, um, you know, different things. Talk about some of the archaeology, um, you know, digs that you've done uh, in the past. Have you had some of both? Um, yeah, I probably, I've dug on, dug on many sites where we found nothing. Um, you know, in archaeology, they say, well, it's negative evidence. Well, it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, if you don't find anything, it, it tells a story. But mm -hmm. you like to find things. Um, you know, I've worked on a lot of pre-contact uh, Mi'kmaq sites. Yep. And you don't find a lot of stuff. But when you do, they're, you know, they're very valuable to find it. Valuable in the sense of telling a story, not monetarily. Right, um, exactly. Uh, we've just started into the cemetery uh, down in Cuba, trying to find the plantation cemetery. Um, so that's very interesting. See if they, you know, followed similar uh, mortuary practices that they had in Africa. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of different experiences. Um, and some sites are very rich, like the ball site. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it, it you know came up with a lot of artifacts. Um, and then you can go to someplace like the swamp where we weren't finding a lot of artifacts until we moved up land. Right. And that's what I found really interesting is of all the sites that I've ever worked on that had that much labor involved in building something, mm -hmm. you found tons of smoking pipes, right. uh, right. water jugs, eating, um, plates and stuff right. like that. 
if you're going to have a lot of people working, you're going to need a lot of, and it was almost, I'm not saying it was, but it was almost like someone was coming behind and cleaning up, trying to hide evidence that people were there. That That's what it felt like. That's yeah, I remember you mentioning that on the show as well. One of our members, Jan Outhan, asked, what's the oldest artifact you found, and where'd you find it at? On the island or? or, or anywhere. Uh, working on an archaic site here in Nova Scotia, uh, I found a, a knife, a stone knife, about 4,000 years old. So oh. um, that was probably, knife. that was the oldest. It was pretty, it was spectacular. Um, uh, and that was an amazing project. In fact, in 10 minutes, <clears throat> it was part of a bank that had eroded away. And I was sitting beside a colleague and I looked in the water. I said, do you see a, something weird in the water? And he's like, yeah, what is that? So we went down and in the water, we picked up this, you know, 4,000 year stone ax. And then it's just like, oh my God. And just in 10 minutes, we had like 10 stone tools wow. that, you know, wow. you're lucky to find one and they had eroded out of a bank. Wow. So yeah, you get, you get days like that. Not many, not many. <laughs> that, that was a, a sweet Jesus day for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that. Uh, yeah. Um, Patricia uh, Rempel asked that question. She goes, I loved your sweet Jesus moment. Uh, what other moments have you had? And obviously that's one of them right there is a sweet Jesus moment. Um, yeah, so you know, we heard you say that on the island, but uh, that was definitely one there. Have you had many others like that? Well, I'm trying to get over um, swearing. I have <laughs> kids, so I, I don't like to swear. And the sweet Jesus moment just came. Like I was exhausted. It was near the end, and you know when you get tired and you get a little bit silly, and and mm. it just next thing you know, Rick hands me the base of that uh, plate. And it was just like, sweet Jesus, look at that. Because you don't, <laughs> on the island, if you've seen all the artifacts where ceramics were just tiny little yes. shards, like, right. and to find something that big, it was just like, and then Rick's looking all excited because he found it. And he's just, next thing you know, sweet Jesus came out. And <laughs> <laughs> I think his cover was, it took all year, but we probably got you one or something like yeah. that, he said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was awesome. Yeah, no one can compete with Gary though. Gary's got the <laughs> Gary's got the you know he's got Holy the same. Holy all right. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. He no does have a lot of them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we know that you, uh, uh, you know, oh, and I wanted to mention too, you had mentioned the Mi'kmaq people, um, and you have a PhD. Did I hear that right? You have a PhD in uh, in your uh, learning about the Mi'kmaq people. Yeah, and in. How when when people first entered the Maritimes thirteen thousand years ago, you know, three times older than the pyramids. So mm -hmm. my PhD is looking at sea level rise, how the landscape changed, and how mm -hmm. understanding the landscape will help us predict where more sites are located. Um, the site that I talk about with the with the um, knife, the four thousand year stone knife, fishermen found it. A woman was and her husband were fishing. She bent down to wash her hand off and literally put it on top of an arrowhead. Wow. So most of the sites are found by people hunting, fishing. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted to find out if there's a way of, of, of making it less chance and more predictable where these sites are. So that's what my PhD was on. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
That's very interesting. Um, and yeah, and again, uh, we know that uh, you had also mentioned about doing one of your field schools in Peru. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming, of course, that that's been put on hold. But Peru, wow, that's tell yeah, us about that. Where's that going to be in Peru? It's uh, it's a place called Sierra de Oro. Uh, it's an hour inland from Lima, and it's a pre-Inca site, so oh, really? it predates the Incan Empire. And we'll be joining a, a university from in Lima and doing a, a month-long project there. Wow. So, you know, if you want to try Peru or Cuba, you know, I'd love to do one on Oak Island, but I'd never get permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I assume so. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's really neat. And and, and for the fact that you're doing that, and, and at what better way? um to help to teach of course you can do classroom all day long but you get them out in the field like this with these field schools that you're doing that's where you yeah. really teach people about this is what it's all about like you like you said before there's going to be many days where we go along we really don't find anything and then there's going to be days where we find tidbits and then there's going to be days where you find more but again that's where you piece that story together from all those little things you find and you come up come come up with conclusions as to you know, what the site yeah. was, who was there, when they were there and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Which is um, really and, cool. the, and the field school, I'll just finish. Uh, yeah. It, and let's like, for example, um, I had one, one time I had uh, a student show up dressed head to toe, like Indiana Jones loves archeology, span loves it. Great. By lunchtime, he had two blisters, hated archeology. span <laughs> he was done. You know, he tried it. Nope. Yep. Another, I had a, a student come up to me and she's just like, Professor Taylor, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm an accountant. Uh, I needed a credit. Um, I'm giving it a try. She ended up being my best student. Wow. So wow. you don't know. You don't know until you give it a try. And if you love it, you love it a lot. Um, yep. <clears throat> so give it a try. That's all I say. Yeah, I think I would enjoy it. And, and again, like you said, there are some those moments, but um, I, I think for me personally, I would definitely, I like to a metal detect. I like to find things um, and, and doing the archaeology. But like you said, um, it's, it's finding all those bits and pieces to tell a story. If you go onto a site that is um, maybe even a historical site, um, and you can actually start to work towards piecing all the, all the story together of, you know, like Rick, you hear Rick always say who, what, why, where, and when, um, it, that's what you guys do by the evidence that you find. I think that would personally, I would, I, I'm pretty sure I would like it. I have never done it before, but I, I think I would enjoy it a lot. That's really yeah. neat. <laughs> I'm going to try to, more than welcome. Oh Save man. I, don't know. I, I, I tell you what, if I get the opportunity, if I have the time when it happens, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on, I, I'm going to jump All on right. it. I think that would be really, really neat. It's whether it be Cuba or Peru or wherever I, yeah, I, I really don't care. I would just, I think it'd be interesting and learning from you at the same time as a teacher. Um, I, I couldn't ask for better. Honestly, I, I don't mean to puff you up too I, much. I would, love it, honestly, yeah. I would, I would be honored to do that. Oh, I'd, I'd be great. I'd be great. So, um, so getting into Oak Island now, we know that you, um, originally, if I remember correctly, you originally appeared on Oak Island on season seven. I think it was episode 18 where you came out yeah. to look at the stone. Anyway, tell us a little bit about, first of all, how did you get approached to come out to, uh, Oak Island? How did this all come about? 
So I work with Dr. Ian Spooner in the Earth and mm. si Environmental Sciences. Our offices are right next to each other. And mm. um, he, he said, Aaron, uh, I got this conundrum. You know, there's something happening on Oak Island <laughs> in the swamp, this flat area. What do you think? And I said, well, you know, I know in Cuba, they flatten this entire field behind the mansion house, a couple acres with rubble stone flat so that they could take carts over it so uh -huh. i know that it's been done you know it's a technique that people have used and he's like would you be interested coming to oak island and taking a peek i said i'll come and take a peek so i signed all the ndas and everything mm -hmm. and i went down and um you know i was, I was nervous you know got to meet rick or marty was there and jack and a bunch of others and it's so funny. So we went and looked at that first that first paved area, and it it looks human made to me. I don't believe glaciers did that. Um, so I was talking about that, and then they said a uh, uh, behind this could go on the blooper a blooper reel. But they said, okay, can you come take a look at something else? So near the eye eye of the swamp. Mm -hmm. So I said, sure, I'll come. And there's this huge. Um, Billy had, had made this, created this huge hole, and uh, Dr. Spooner was down at the bottom of this hole, and he was looking at the this, the profile wall, and he's just like, Aaron, you come down and take a look at this. And I was trying to act cool and look like I know what I'm doing. I take a step, boom, head first down into the mud, past oh, my no. shoulders. Oh, no. Ian's, Ian's having to dig me out. So they pull me out. I got mud up my nose. I'm choking on mud. And the, and uh, I was like, oh, my God. And, and the camera guys are like, no, this is great. This is great. And I was like, you're not going to show that. Oh, this will be wonderful. Like, oh, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty humbling moment. So. Oh, my goodness. And that oh, was on your first time yeah. on the island. <laughs> we, had a member, we had a member trying to show all of that. What were your really your initial thoughts when you looked at that road? Did you think it was real, real or the the paved area? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I I thought it was. I think it's probably human made. It was hard to detect, but when you have Doctor Ian Spooner looking at it, finding pieces of wood under these huge boulders, uh, glaciers don't do that. Um, so yeah, there's the hole. Mm -hmm. uh so i i think it's human made i'd like to you know i only got to look at it for 10 minutes so really wow it's yeah. hard it's hard to say yeah that was interesting and then you did you were talking about the different layers you had uh, actually had in this portion here you were still over at the actual stone paving there and uh gary came in i mean i'm gary billy gerhardt came in and made a scoop out of there so you guys could see the actual edge and see the yeah. stones stacked up, and uh, you had you had mentioned that during that uh, that it you know the glacier this was not deposited by glacier movement and pushing the rocks around. It's too uniform, no, too flat. Exactly, exactly. Remind me when we talk about the stone path. Uh, I want to talk about glaciers with that because I've read some okay. people have written in you know commenting on on how it looks and such. Um, but we can talk when we get to that. I, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a, 
I'll follow what you want to talk about. All right. Well, that, yeah, like I said, like I was saying earlier, I do, I did kind of lay out a, a path, but like I said before, yeah. if we, if we deviate off that, I don't care. It's really all, it's all about what you want to share with us. And if you have an idea that pops up, please jump on and go with it sure. at any time. But this was really interesting because like I said, we saw you on the Island for the first time and, and right away you, it, it, you, when I watched that, that episode, season seven, episode 18, and any, any of you want to check that out, go back and watch that again. That was his, I think, debut on the Island, um, Mr. Taylor's. But when you were on there, you did have a lot of confidence and I, and I picked up on that right away. Um, you, you know, whether you were trying to portray, you know, that or not, it came across very well. And, um, you know, and, and knowing that, you know, we, we were starting to get very comfortable with Dr. Spooner as well and his confidence in things at that point. And then he brought on more, uh, more expert eyes to come and see it as well and brought you on the scene. And that's one of the interesting things about Marty and Rick and the team is that, you know, now we've seen this team go, and I mentioned this the other day, but we've seen this team go from episode one, season one, um, and grow from just a couple people on the Island with some shovels and a backhoe to now having this Oak Island team, um, the, the fellowship of the dig that you are part of. And thank you, you know, that you did sign on be, and become part of the part of this fellowship, because like I said, you're bringing expert eyes to the scene and you're helping to, you know, uh, decipher all these different things that were going on on the Island at the time. Um, so, and that was really cool. So we saw you come on in season seven, episode 18, and then there was nothing that was the rest of the season finished out and we didn't hear about you again. Then you emerged back on at the very beginning of season eight and tell us about that a little bit. How did that come about? Well, COVID, um, I was supposed to be in Cuba running my field schools mm -hmm. and, uh, they got canceled. So, uh, David McGinnis said, Aaron, I'm going to be excavate doing a two week excavation on this stone feature don't know what it is i could use a hand i said all right my stuff got canceled so you've got me for two weeks mm -hmm. well two weeks ended up being the whole season um <laughs> you know i didn't i didn't know i'd only been on it for one day previously and i still didn't know what was really going on and uh you know i was treated incredibly well i wasn't asked to say anything i didn't want to say I didn't have to talk about treasure if I didn't want to. Um, they said, Aaron, you're the archaeologist. Do what you would do normally. Right. And uh, they treated me like gold. So they said, Aaron, we have another thing we'd like you to take a look at. Could you take a look at that? And then, oh, we got one more. And then they're like, oh, you know what? Just stay the whole season. <laughs> like, that works for me. Um, yeah. So that's how it just, it just started off giving David McGinnis, uh, and he's a friend of mine, uh, a, a, a hand. So. Um, wow. a lot of people have asked about David. I've seen a lot yes, of people say, yeah. I heard he died. No, uh, David has many interests. Um, archeology span is one of them, but, uh, and he says, you know, Aaron, I'm, I'm 67. My back can't do, you know, long projects. So he came, he did the, the pine tar kiln and then he, he had other things he wanted to do. So he is alive and well. Um, and who knows, maybe he'll be back. I don't know. I think he's excellent at what he does and, um, it's fun working with him. So, yeah. And, and we did, uh, and that was our first exposure with him as well. Um, uh, yeah. Mr. McGinnis coming on the Island, um, and doing the, the pine tar killing. And, and, and again, I've got a couple of pictures here of that. 
Um, and this is actually even before uh, Rick and Marty uh, got onto the island and, and all of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's, and then David there, um, you know, working with you. And, and it was kind of interesting because we were hoping to see him again. I was anyway, hoping to see him again uh, later in the season. But I guess he was, like you said, just there for a couple of weeks to investigate this and then move on to other projects. Yeah, and he's a neat, neat guy. I mean, he he came to archaeology late. Like he did his master's degree in his sixties. Like he he was a probationary officer until his, he was in his late fifties, sixties, oh. and he's just always loved archaeology. So he went and got a master's degree over in Scotland, and uh, and now he's doing what he loves. So it'd be great to work with him again. Yeah, yeah I would imagine. This was really neat for us in the, in the pine tar kiln or, you know, and, and again, one of the questions, and I believe this was, um, from, uh, Linda, actually, you met Linda earlier in the pre-show. Um, Linda asked the question about the pine tar kiln. Was there actual evidence of pine tar found? Did you guys ever find actual, you know, uh, no. nothing? So no, we, we took analysis. So when we, I'm 70% sure it's a pine tar kiln. First of all, it's man-made. So we answer right. the question, is this natural or is this man-made? It's man-made. So what can it be? And then you go into looking at Scandinavian pine tar kilns and how they're created. And and that's the closest we could come was a pine tar kiln. Uh, it's something, there was a lot of burning there it happened more than one day, continually burning, which would pine tar kiln would have. Right. It was it was on a hill, a slope, so you're going to have air, uh, the slope's going to direct the liquid. Mm -hmm. um, but and you know if it's three four hundred years old, you might not find evidence in the soil, but you could. Uh, mm -hmm. We had a botanist come on, and he said, "Well, there's a good chance you'd find some pine tar sap still somewhere," right. but we didn't. So you, you go with what's what's most likely. Right. It's most likely a pine tar kiln. Is it definitive? No, absolutely not. Right. Now, pine tar would be used in many different things. And sealing is what I'm thinking. It's going to be used on wood. It's going to be used for a sealing compound of some sort to seal water from getting in. Is that your best guess on that as well? Best yeah, it, it was really important for ships yep. uh, to use. And Scandinavia made a lot. They had, you know, if you have really good pine trees, uh, I forget, I think it's the Jasper pine, you get the best pine tar. So Scandinavia were big and New England was big. Um, but if you're out on the Atlantic and you need pine tar, you pull off where you see some pine trees and you make your own. And right. it might not be of great quality, but it's better than nothing. Um, mm. So the pine on Oak Island uh, is not the best pine for it, but again, when, when you need it, you, you got to right. have it. You can't just you can't just go buy it somewhere, right? Well, Scandinavia. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. So, and that's something that yeah, we were kind of wondering too, because you know, obviously, I, mean, I think most of us were hoping because we saw them talk about this line that led between the Money Pit area um, and lot 15 where this is and they were talking about this line leading up there uh, between the two and of course i'm thinking okay it's got to be a tunnel entrance you know we got all these stones built up we wanted it to be a tunnel entrance and then when you guys were digging down and you found the, the definite you found the coal first of all um charcoal. charcoal sorry yes charcoal not coal you found charcoal and then you so you it was obviously uh like you had mentioned earlier a burn event over several you know several burn events or continual burn events going on 
Um, so that would, I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, oh, wow, what, you know, what is that pine tar kiln? You know, what do we, I wanted it to be a, a trade, you know, opening to a shaft or something. Um, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, but it's still an interesting, still nonetheless. And it kind of leads back to if it were, then it was maybe used by the, the a Navy of some sort, maybe the British Navy, or, um, you know, assuming that it would be probably be the British Navy that was using it. Uh, as a pine tar kiln but then of course then they came up the other one saying that you would also maybe use it for lining a, a treasure vault of course i think that came up too is that likelihood yeah probably is but was it was it you know are is it possible yes was it likely don't know have no idea i guess at that point right yeah there was also the stone i wanted to kind of get your assessment on this particular stone that was found um, we saw it, it was it obviously, you know, it looked like a, a definite drill hole in it there. And then you've got this sloped edge that you pointed all this out during the show. Um, beveled edge, yeah. yeah, the beveled edge. What was your, what was your final analysis on this, uh, on this particular stone? Well, again, it's n nature didn't do that. So, right. uh, right. it was done, uh, with, with tools. Um, was it like you do that bevel edge so that it would fit? To another stone mm -hmm. um what's the hole for you know could it be a survey marker um yeah. you know they've been That's found on one. other parts of the island mm -hmm. uh so it, it's a head scratcher uh we're obviously keeping an eye out for other ones we searched all over the area for a matching something that would have matched this stone uh didn't find it um so mm -hmm. it's it's just one of the another one of those intriguing things on oak island yeah, one of those other anomalies pop up. Now, what are what are the year range for the Kilman that right there? What years were you thinking? So, uh, what isn't very exciting for people are rusty nails. But to archaeologists, we love rusty nails. And there are three <laughs> types of nails. I'm sure you got your viewers uh, know more about rusty nails than they ever cared to. Um, <laughs> but, so you have wrought nails so they're handmade hand forged nails you have cut nails cut by machine and then you have your wire nails so your hand wrought nails come in really early you know carmen leg 1550s even earlier than that as long as they've been pounding iron they've been making fasteners right and then you have the cut nails which come in 1780s 90s uh, so we found wrought nails and on top of that cut nails. So we had two different occupation periods wow. on this. So what were, so if it was a pine tar kiln, people would know what they looked like. So you had an earlier group using it for pine tar. Another group comes by, wow. they need pine tar and you have the cut nails. So we believe it was at least used uh, by two different groups in two different time periods. Wow! So that's what a rusty nail can can tell you. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that's it's, 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 yeah, it's it's an interesting site. It's complicated. Yep. And you're right because of the fact that uh, the the thing, and I hadn't thought. Of, well, I guess we do think about it in that sense. You know, you talk about the different types of nails, and that helps you date that, and you find those at different layers like that. Um, that's interesting. And I don't know if that was something that was clearly, um, you know, described to us on the show, but that, uh, that's why I wanted to ask you, I knew there was some insights that you would have on this that we, 
may not have seen on the show or may have forgotten about. Um, yeah. And that's really interesting that, um, so two different so, groups. Yeah, wow. You're not going to get the earliest, like we, we can't say it was 1520 or 14. You can't get that on, on iron objects, mm -hmm. but you can get, you know, the forged nails were used up until about 1780 right. and then they moved to the cut nails. Right. So we have the hand forged and then we have the cut. So, you know, it's definitely pre-searcher uh, or sorry. Yeah. Pre-searcher mm -hmm. um, uh, depositor period. So that's right. how, that's how I, I, ca I categorize things. Depositor period, searcher period. Right. So when I'm looking at ceramics and stuff like that, does it matter if this was in seven? This piece of ceramic was seventeen seventy or seventeen sixty. Not for this, right? Is it pre? Is it pre searcher, or is it you know is it depositor period or searcher period? And that's what I was. That's what the artifacts were trying. I was trying to glean from the artifacts, mm -hmm. which which it was from. <laughs> right, and that's exactly what Marty wants to know too. Marty and Rick, you know that that helps them to decipher. Um, the time period in their brain, you know, is it, is this from searchers looking for something or is it prior to that? Because, you know, if, obviously if it's prior to that, that makes it more um, storytelling, I guess, is to trying to figure out the who, what, why, where, and when. Um, and that's the thing about this, you know, and we, and again, we've talked about this before, but the, the history of what's going on here uh, over the years on Oak Island is, is fascinating in itself. And, and, you know, and again, I and I and everybody's heard me say this before, but I, I talk about the fact that would we love them to find a, a great treasure on the island? Yes, we all would. Every one of us would like that to happen. But we also want answers to the story like Rick wants. We want answers to know who was there and all the different over the time periods. And 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 Jack has pointed this out several times too, that when they laid all the stuff out on the table at the end of season seven, um, and you're looking at different things on this table from different time periods. It, it's you just want to get answers to all you know what were the people doing on this little island out in the middle and no you know in Mahone Bay out there it, it's just fascinating and that's what you guys are putting together to try to tell that story and that's just history in the making right there yeah yeah um and Rick you know Rick uh and, and Marty you could see they're getting frustrated you know they get frustrated and they're like, but what does it mean? And well, it's a it's a small piece to the puzzle. Well, what does it mean? <laughs> we don't know. That's not how it works. This right. is a very a very complex site, and I think what what I like about it is instead of just like a chicken with its head cut off looking for the the money pit, mm -hmm. we're now trying to understand the whole history of Oak Island what was going on here prior to the search and if we can find enough clues and, and help us tell the story it might help us lead take us to the money pit you know um what what was made in the swamp and, and i don't know if it's time for us to start talking about the swamp yet or oh, yeah. not but yeah. go ahead um I remember Rick going, well, we, I think we've got an anomaly in the swamp. What do you think about excavating it? And I said, an anomaly through a swamp? Count me in. Miriam's like, oh, yeah. A couple of the others were like, eh, not so much. But to do something like that, find something in a swamp, 
is incredible. Like it's history making. Mm -hmm. And oh. you know, it's not it's not the um holy grail, you know, Ark of the Covenant, but it's still in archaeology, it's something that's very unique. Mm -hmm. And when you get to excavate something that's very unique, almost never. Right. Uh Jeff has heard me say before. My dad, Aleramus, I call it a ship. I've always called it a ship from day one. Jeff will attest to that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't know, but we haven't gotten to there yet. But um, <clears throat> so when Doc a diagram of it from what they showed. Yeah. You know, on the picture. Yep. Yeah, we will need to positively identify it one way or the other. We need to get a hold of whatever's there. Mm hmm. Um, and as, yep. So whatever, you know, I'm sure Billy's cooking some way up to get down to the bottom of that. Um, again, it's it's complicated, but it's not impossible. So, um, yeah, so we literally dove right into the swamp and began excavating this thing. And, you know, it kept getting bigger and bigger and it had cribbing underneath it. And... Mm -hmm. You start asking yourself, like, what is this thing? Right. And then and I know, Rick's and I know, like, Oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say, and I know Jack had kind of uh, talked about this earlier, but Joe uh, uh, Holland, uh, Holland uh, had asked, uh, Joe Holland asked the question, What were your initial thoughts? So when you got to this, um, you know, obviously you were working, I think, up at the mound or something at the time. And then they were saying, Okay, we need to get down here and take a look at this because they were starting to uncover this um the stone roadway and so i don't know they came to you and said hey we need you to come down and check this out what were your initial thoughts when you stepped up and started really looking at this i thought maybe a tiny little slipway you know that mm -hmm. they brought boats up on um mm -hmm. I, at first thought oh maybe it's natural and dr spooner's like i don't think this is natural <laughs> um, and when dr spooner talks you listen he, yeah that is, a, yep. that is a sharp man um so I was just like, oh God. And then you go to the logistics. Well, how how are you gonna excavate a stone road through a swamp? Yeah. Like, so then we had to come up with a strategy for doing that. And we got, we had to uh, pump the swamp, drain the swamp. Uh, we put it in a, a wading pool. I've heard people you know, ask what happened to the water. Well, the Ministry of, of the Environment is very strict about what we could and could not do. So we, we put it in a holding pond and then we returned it when we were done for the end of the season. Oh, wow. So, so Scott Barlow, who is a, magi a magician when it comes to, you know, he could make a, a dishwasher fly if, if he had to. Um, <laughs> so he, he set up uh, the pumps and we drained it. And then we just literally got in there on our hands and knees with buckets and we you know, filled the buckets with uh, muck, uh, put it on the wash table, sprayed it down, collected as much artifacts as we can. Um, you could, that's the only way you could do it. You had to, you had to spray it with water. Mm -hmm. And um, we got some artifacts, but um, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And you're just like, what on earth did they build this for? And once we got it completely, all the dirt removed, like this, we realized this took a long time. And then Billy came down and he said, holy, this would take a lot of men, a lot of time to build. And where did the stones come from? 
you know, they're not beach stones. Dr. Spooner looked at them and he said, they're not beach stones. Um, they're not from fields. They're not from the, from the rockless beach. Might they be ballast stones from ships? We don't know where those stones came from. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and people said, well, they look kind of rugged. And how, do, how would you get a card on it? If you go to Lewisburg, Fortress Lewisburg in Cape Breton in Canada, they have the huge wheel carts and right. they would get over that no problem at all. Right. So it wouldn't be an issue at all. Um, and they so, had acted on the island to pull them off those. So. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The oxen. Yeah. We found, yeah, you know, Gary found so many different ox shoes, you know, around the island. So that would be your means by pulling those things for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know it's interesting. I don't remember if they found ox shoes actually on this. This this was the first section here that I'm showing in the picture um, that was found. You know this particular part, and I and I know that um, you guys obviously found that it turned and then it started following up the side of the uh, the uh, the swamp. You know, following in the uplands, kind of just following along the edge there. Um, and one of the one of the the folks in here uh, asked a question, and I while we're on this, I wanted to to bring that up. He was asking about the um, uh, the fact that this portion of it. Now, find you. I find your name here in just a moment. I'm sorry. I've, I've got to look back through here. But um, um, he mentioned the fact that this particular portion of the stone road is very defined. We see it. It's obviously you know so much width and so much length. You can see it right there. It's very clear. But then, as you turn and you start going up alongside the the heading towards the eye of the swamp or the Nolan's property the house up there it it doesn't look so defined and yeah i guess the question was are you sure that that's really a stone road i mean I, you know so, go ahead yeah. explain that a little bit that, that's a great question if if you just look at this and at the at the middle of the picture so right where your arrow is right now if you just move mm -hmm. your arrow around yep, yep right there. so right, right at the road mm -hmm. right where the road meets the the come back right where the the road we drive on me yeah right oh, there right yep we found a sharpened stake. Okay. Mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, big deal, sharpened stake. Well, what you're trying to do is, is find connective tissue for how it goes along. Now, the reason this is so defined is because there were so many rocks there. It is huge. And it's not as susceptible to the heaving that freezing and thawing does. When you go to the path, you move you move up, and and at, if if you were to go straight up this uh, stone road, mm -hmm. it is a, a steep slope. There's no way you can get cattle or you know, uh, oxen pulling pulling something heavy, a heavy point, cart yeah. up there. Right. You have to do the switchbacks or the zigzags. So we found we found uh, cribbing lots of cribbing going on and we found this vertical stake cut stake so then we we hook um the, the idea is to see what's going on to the right this coming season if if uh -huh. you know to go this way but we decided to go left uh -huh. and again we're finding these vertically cut stakes placed on the swamp between the swamp and the and the path and uh, we're finding under swampier areas, we're finding cribbing. So it's again, it's man-made. And 
So that that's why it was so important to keep finding these cut steaks. And Steve Guptill said, yep, that's how we do it today. And that's how they did it 300 years ago. Wow. <clears throat> that's, yeah. the, that's how they surveyed it in. And uh, there's one really funny scene where I was working with um, Marty and Marty was having a ball because I think he found six of these steaks. Yes. And uh, yeah, that was that was such a fun day. You know, he's singing shanty songs and we're just <laughs> digging away. And it was oh, it was just an awesome, awesome day. But um, yeah, so that's when you start going, oh, is this really a pathway? And then there'd be a vertical stake. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Spooner said, you know, this is what happens when you have 300 years of thawing and freezing. Stones get heaved. It's not going to look pretty. And mm -hmm. it, it wasn't. Um, yeah. And that was uh, that was Dave Ned's Ned Zwicky uh, that asked that question. And thank you, Dave, yeah. for putting that uh, to us, because that was again, it was an interesting question. And one I think that many of us thought about. Um, and I, and I was thinking, well, that maybe you guys had not cleared that off as much as you, you were already determined as, as much as this section was, uh, as it turned and went up alongside the roadway. And you talk about those stakes, uh, and somebody, I think somebody even had mentioned to us at one point and they said, well, the stakes were only this long. How could that be a marker? Well, that was the portion that was actually in the, the muck, which we've yeah. heard is very good preservative. <clears throat> And the yeah. rest of it would have been out of it and rotted yeah. off. So is that yeah. is that true? That's okay. correct. Yeah, if it's in an anaerobic environment, uh, it can last thousands of years. Um, no. The bog people over in Ireland, there's four thousand year bog people with skin you can see tattoos on them. So wow, yeah, it's a great preservation environment. Um, and then you know we carbon dated the the stakes and similar dates from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. um, and you know when they came back 1680 to 1720 uh that was blown away by that um yeah so again yep. that's the, the connective tissue i'm talking about yes. so what were they what were they doing building this through a swamp it, it wasn't for farming it wasn't for fishing what was it for you know this isn't you don't build this in an afternoon <clears throat> and why do you build it on that side of the island? There are other better harbors you could have unloaded in other areas. Why yeah. do you come around in the secluded area, build this thing that would have taken heavy loads? I don't know. That, that's a very good. Ask. Yeah, that's a very good question. And you know, and I thought the same when you had mentioned earlier. You had talked about the fact that they would come across. Now, I'm going to show another little picture here. Now, I'll ask you another question about this later on because the reason I grabbed this picture. But over here, you see the, the original stone paving that came off of the water area, like a wharf or whatever. And then it turns and it comes along here, uh, right along the edge here. And I thought, yeah. why in the world would they, you know, and you mentioned it earlier, why in the world would they have come along this way and then maybe turn up this way and head toward the swamp? That doesn't make any sense. But then, you just explained, uh, if I heard you correctly, you were explaining they're going to take a zigzag approach. So this would have been an easier trend or truck, you know, for the oxen to pull yeah. up along here, get up, finally get up to a higher elevation, then make the turn. Switch. So exactly. Yeah. So I'm assuming that over here, there's a, there's a picture that I had also. Uh, let's see if I can, there's, here's one. This was late in the season. Obviously this was just, uh, this may have been on the finale actually. 
Uh, now yeah. this is up in the uplands. Is this is this more? I'm going to switch back one more time. Uh, is this more up in this area over here? Is that where that yes. was? Okay. Yes. Yeah, we were, and it, and we went up there. We sort of skipped up because one, we ran out of time. And Mr. Nolan has done so much bulldozing, mm -hmm. like, uh, and that's why we had to have Billy come in and remove some of that. Like there was a, a meter, three feet of of push. So Billy removed that and it's just been so landscaped. So Miriam and I were trying to find an area upland that hasn't been demolished. Right. Yep. And we found this little space and um, we put up some excavation units. We found some small cobblestone. But the thing that we that was really exciting is we found a piece of coal and we found Gary found some ox shoes. Again, the connective tissue. Right. Found right. Two bags of coal, not charcoal, coal mm -hmm. at the stone road in the swamp at the far end. And then on the upland, we found some coal and some ox shoes. So, you know, yep. it's not it's not definitive. Right. Um, but as, it, as the to be continued project, I would imagine. Right. There. It's very suggestive that uh, that they are connected. Now, is this going through to lot 15 and then to the money pit, do you think? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Um, we keep expecting it to switch back the other way, but nothing on Oak Island does what you expect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we know oh. for sure on that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definite. And it was very interesting how you had mentioned earlier, too, and you obviously mentioned this on the show, that, and I'm going to bring this picture back up one more time so I can point with my point. I always try to get a bigger pointer so people can actually see it. If they're looking on a phone or something, they're like, I don't see where he's pointing. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize for that, folks. I still haven't gotten that done. But um, as the road came along this way here and it making its and making its way up, this is the area where you said you found very little evidence at all. Uh, except for maybe those those marker stakes, right? Yeah. Is that is that along this area here? Yeah, yeah, along the path. So I call it the stone road is the big feature, mm -hmm. and then the stone path, and then the upland. So right. and and Rick was finding we were finding all those broken ceramics right at the interface between the upland and the swamp, right, right, right where right. there's an elbow. You can see a, a dramatic elbow turn upland which okay. again is marked by stakes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we found uh, all the artifacts. But along the pathway, nothing. I think we found a couple of pieces of ceramics mm -hmm. and maybe a couple of ox shoes, but, and one piece of coal, Miriam found a piece of coal. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it was like eerily absent of artifacts. Huh. One of the things that really amazes me you're going through that road and everything else, and there is no history behind it, no paperwork, no nothing really, which I find amazing. Nothing. And the British and French, they love their paperwork. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could find tons of building projects in the archives that they did. You know, they kept, they kept track of everything. So maybe it's out there somewhere. We just haven't found it. But Doug's pretty good. Doug's pretty good at finding finding stuff yes, in, and, yeah. Yeah. and Charles Parkhouse and mm -hmm. you know when you know if they if they can't sniff it out it's probably not there yeah yeah that's very true 
Um, one thing, I, while I have this picture up, I wanted to ask as well. Now, in Nolan's Peninsula right here, uh, sticking out into the swamp, and then I believe it was right here that they found that stone, that flat stone uh, feature last season, or I say last season, season eight's now last season, uh, in season seven at the end that when you were when you came out wasn't that first stone platform that was over here just off of nolan's peninsula is that right i i believe so yeah and is that where do you think there are two that are connected in any way the stone path going along the woods the uplands here and that feature that you found there seems it, like it would be pretty hard to to say that that was just a coincidence mm -hmm. but <clears throat> that's another area i really want to target there's several areas in the swamp that I, I'd really like to get to. Um, you know, there's a lot more to do in the swamp, a lot more to do. So chances are a season nine might see it being drained once again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I you can't know. speculate on that. I know. <laughs> that was me just, so, you know, throwing that out there because I'm thinking, hmm. yeah, so we're not definitely not done with it. I, I uh, yeah. yeah Steve called call it the Oak Island Interstate. So yeah, you don't think yeah. you found all the roads and everything really yet. It's amazing. Yeah. It simply is amazing that uh, all that is there because um and I see that you know and like I say while I got this picture up I want to mention it too. It looks like it almost looks like this is covered up. Yeah, we protect we protected it with uh with garden mesh. Ah, okay. So all the really sensitive areas it 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 helps preserve it but it also helps us when we want to come back cuz we let the water back in mm -hmm. and you know when we come back in another month or whenever it is um it'll be so much easier just to to uncover it than yeah. than have to re completely re-excavate it yeah <clears throat> absolutely yeah and i saw that in this i saw that man it looks like it's covered with something i don't know the folks can see that in this picture but you can see how white it is um, yeah. And it's covered with some sort of an, it looked to me like it was covered with some sort of a material that, uh, again, thinking that it was just that, so you could easily get to it again when you need to. But that's that's an amazing feature. And one of the questions I always had, too, was does it extend, and it looked like somebody was digging over here to see, does it extend out into the ocean? Because obviously the road here at the bottom of the swamp, the newer, the modern man-made road, was not there. Uh, when that was and we were kind of curious does it extend out past out into the ocean at that point was that ever something you looked at yeah we, they did some drilling there and uh they didn't find anything so pretty sure it stops and okay. again there was that stake we found right in the middle of it like yeah. a starting stake yeah. um so i think i think that's what you see is 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 all there is all there is wow and you said that maybe hopefully at some point if they get the opportunity to go coming off the the uh the path or the stone road here and then turning to the right maybe to see where it goes that way yeah there there are some interesting boulders to the right um uh but we just didn't we just ran out of time yeah that's unfortunate yeah. too yeah well the shortened season especially too because you how guys far did, how far did you get with the going toward the eye of swamp with the road and everything uh well we got right across i think we turned upland we turn to the upland, the eye, uh, if I'm if I'm right, uh, if I remember correctly. So I thought, you know, it had come along and then it started to come out a little bit. And I, I remember telling Rick, I said, Rick, I think this looks like it might be heading to the the eye. And we're and we're just like, oh God, you know, what could that mean? And so we painstakingly excavated it, you know, trowel by trowel. 
And it turns out it, it ended up turning. Um, wow. And it, so it didn't go to the eye. Um, more work needs to be done. We okay. were looking for where it turned upland. I can't definitively say a branch didn't lead off to the eye because we didn't get there. We got okay. to the, we found the upland area and that's what our goal was before, uh, before the weather just kicked in. Yeah. 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 And that's something too, is that, uh, you know, when, when you were out there with, uh, Dr. Spooner last year, last year, uh, in season seven, um, and we're looking at the eye of the swamp, um, you know, and he, he was out there, you know, excavating and they went in, they took out big scoopfuls and it's got those large, very large boulders around there. And, and I always, and I always, to me, I want the eye of the swamp to be significant. You know, you got your triangle shaped swamp. You got the all seeing eye, as I would call it on the top of it, just like on the dollar bill. Um, and I wanted that eye to be more important. Now, when he dug it up and I think you were in on board with this at the time anyway, was saying that it was a blue clay mine, um, rather than anything more significant than that. And I thought, man, I was a little, again, I was a little deflated because I'm thinking a blue clay mine. Yeah, there's a lot of blue clay there, but again, if it were, they would need a road coming out of it to be able to haul some of that blue clay out of there, uh, in carts or whatever. Uh, you're not going to hand carry it. You know, we didn't have the machinery, obviously. Um, do you, do you still feel that that's what it was? A, a, a blue clay mine? To be honest, I, I was so busy. I didn't, honestly, I didn't give it two seconds thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Miriam and I were just full tilt on that path. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, we literally didn't have a second to think about the eye. Rick's just like, it, where is this turning? Where is this turning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Another foot, another foot, another foot. <laughs> and uh, so that's where, uh, I mean, I'd love to investigate more of the eye, the yeah. eye, um, but I, I can't speak of it really. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I want to say it's that uh, you know, and again, this is just me talking, but I always I keep wanting to say that that all that blue clay was used as a sealant to seal up a opening <laughs> that goes down through the eye of the swamp. But again, I don't know. Who am I? You can tell Jeff has his eye of the swamp. Oh and yeah, I have my ship, and I have the ship. So. The ship shape anomaly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, then we have our two areas that we're most in intrigued. Speaking of, were you over there when they were digging and they couldn't get down there because they got too muddy? Did mm -hmm. you get a look at any of the beams or anything that were there? No, I was uh, I was up in the uplands with Miriam, but I could hear yelling and hearing <laughs> and <laughs> so we knew something was going on down there. But uh, Miriam and I were were up in the uplands. Yeah, you two seem to work very well together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're hoping that uh, we get to see that again in season nine. That they will actually do the. They were talking about put a coffer dam in around, and that's over here in this area here at the bottom of where they think the ship shape anomaly would be, or where they discovered the beam and that piece of uh, railing and stuff like that. So we're hoping they do that uh, in season nine that we get to see exactly what that is. Um, but again, I think you're you know if you know hopefully if things get rolling, you get back out of here on the island pretty soon. Um, that you will continue this and find out where in the world does that road actually go because it is important. And a lot of people, they thought, man, they spent the whole summer, you know, working on, you know, in the swamp and finding this, this, this roadway, but the roadway is significant. It does tell a story as to what was going on. And there was a point you even mentioned on about the road saying that um, it could have been 
added on to or used by different peoples over the course of the history of this thing? Was that something that you had mentioned? I thought I heard you mention that on the show. Uh, well, th there's the idea that it might have been used by two different periods. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Mm -hmm. We have st we have the stakes, 1680, 1720s, right? Mm -hmm. But we all the ceramics are 1760s, 70s, 80s. So something was going on 1680s, mm -hmm. 1700, and then 50 years later, 60 years later, we're finding artifacts. So right. suggests that it was two different groups, two different periods. Yep. Now, I also heard, and I thought I heard you say this, but I may be wrong, that there was double cribbing in a couple of the spots. Like they had a road that sunk down and they put cribbing back over the top of the stone and put new stone down in certain parts. There, there on the main on the big stone road, there was definite cribbing, um, lots of cribbing all the way through big sticks, little sticks. Uh, and then it looks like it over time it sunk, so it like it, it saddle backed, and then another layer of stones was put on top to level it. Hmm. So at the at the ocean end of it, <clears throat> you had the big big stones, and then as you move towards the upland, you got these smaller cobbled stones because you were getting out of the mucky swampy area. So know. it it had been fixed uh, over time. I don't know how long it took to get the sway. Sorry. <laughs> I know my cat's being really good right now. She's. Pretty I'm having. Yeah, uh, she's. I have two of them here right now. I'm kind of waiting. Yeah, trying to steal yeah. my moment. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. About two weeks ago, Jeff Wotes, my daughter has a beagle. We decided to start barking up a storm right in the middle of our show. Of our show. So yeah, yeah. That was we had really we've good. had this happen before. Believe me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's cats, all right. It's cats and it's, kids. Yeah. Yep. yep. Cats and kids. Yep. Animals and kids. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, we were, we were talking about um, you know, the stone roadway and then getting up by Nolan's property. At one point, I was thinking you guys were going to have to go, okay, this garage or shed or whatever that red building was, this got to go because we got to dig under it. So, you know, well, we're yeah, we'd be yelling at Tom to get the coffee ready. You know, we're going to be in his going to be in his living room in a few more days. Yeah, so, uh, I know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, there too. but he was awesome. He's just like, guys, if if this story is continuing, keep going. You know, wow. we're following this road and to have someone on side like that is amazing. You know, yeah, truly as an archeologist, one of my biggest obstacles is property owners, Yep. you oh, know, yeah. and fair enough. Who wants oh, their yeah. backyard yeah. dug up? You know, exactly. I'm not, but to have someone like Tom being as supportive as he was, uh, you couldn't ask for better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's another picture I have here. Again, I got, you know, me and my pictures. Everybody's familiar with me and my pictures. I didn't I didn't have a hundred this time, folks, just maybe only a dozen uh, that pertain to <laughs> what we were talking about. But as you were digging along and getting over to the where it, I think, if I remember correctly, somewhere near where it was turning, <clears throat> you came across this vertical wall. Yeah. And we didn't really get um, a whole lot of answer as to what this was do you have anything that you can add to that now was this certainly some sort of a vertical wall this was a vertical wall it's where the the stone pathway branched off mm -hmm. and we thought okay here it's going into the uplands 
but then it sort of petered out. But then we came on to this um, and these stones, and they're intentionally placed, and they're it's not very long. And the first thing that I've I've seen is a cellar, a house cellar. Mm-hmm. So I said, guys, I think we might have a house cellar here. So we spent a lot of time digging on that. Uh, we excavated it, found a, a thick burn layer, mm-hmm. and um, and some areas um, that look like there might be small tunnel-like spaces. Uh, I believe in one of the episodes, Rick put his arm through into yeah, one area. There was a, yeah, there was one of our members asked, "Did they ever pull anything out of them?" No. Again, we we this was right near the end, and and Rick's just right. like, guys, we need a plan. We can't be running from one place to the next place to the next place. And he said, Aaron, what's the plan? So I said, guys, we need to find where the road meets the upland, or the path meets the upland. Right. This isn't going anywhere. Um, and this is going to take a long time. So we either spend our last days here or on the path trying to find the upland. And I said, let's follow the path. Yep. And so we, we, we abandoned this area, but we'll be back. I hope. Yeah. 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 Certainly hope so. We, we do too, because it was, it's something that, you know, and you found that burn area, um, in there as well. And right off the bat, you know, many of us were thinking, um, you know, that, or at least I was. And then, oh, I think also Gary had found a piece of uh, iron that he had said, well, this looks like a piece of grating, like a, a fireplace grating or some sort of a, you know, um, oh, yes, it looked, in the, it looked burnt in the as well. Area. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were wondering if this could have been some sort of a, uh, and that, and I, you know, you know, sitting here at my armchair quarterback, um, sitting here looking at the show going, oh man, it kind of seems like that would have been some sort of a structure. And then of course, with all the pottery that was found, the burn feature that was found, I'm thinking some sort of a kitchen or a bunkhouse or some sort of a shelter where they had built, you know, also a place for cooking or keeping warm as well. I don't know. I mean, again, at armchair quarterback, I can sit here and make all the speculation, but you're on the boots on the ground. Um, what do you think? Those, about all that? those ideas were all, we went, we thought the same thing. Yeah. Um, again, it's an area I'd like to spend a week excavating properly yep. uh, okay. to determine because there's something there, hot, hot fires were burned there so hot. They changed the soil red. Yep. Um, and you know, it's got structure to it. Uh, it's intentionally st- stones are intentionally placed. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely, we, we, we covered that area as well with uh, okay. garden mesh mm-hmm. uh, with the intention of, of going back to it. Good. Yeah. Cause there, it's, it, it is important because it would definitely tell a bigger story. And I remember, you know, you mentioned earlier about Rick at his age being in there um, and in on his knees and digging around. And I remember you saying something to him. He kept finding little pieces of pottery and he was putting them on a uh, dustpan, um, you know, as he would find them. But you said something about the next inch, just another inch or whatever. One more inch. Yeah. He's just like, well, if I stop now, what if just one more inch is the big thing? And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it's only if you had one more inch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. And then he did, yeah. he did come up with the big plate bottom, though, right there. The brown the piece. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You'd have to say, Rick. End of the day. Get out of the, you know, out of the muck. We'll be back tomorrow, Rick. Because, you know, <laughs> once you start, once you start finding artifacts, it's exciting, mm-hmm. you know. And yep. and Rick, you know, he just turned into this enthusiastic kid, you know. And 
and when Riff gets excited, everyone gets excited. So yeah, um, yeah, that was that was great, and uh, you know, just the diversity of the artifacts too was important. Um, so it's almost like this might have been a midden, we call it, uh, a garbage heap where yep. things were deposited. Um, and, you know, so why there? Why put a, a midden there? Well, mm -hmm. it's probably because there was a road there and there were no trees that grew up. So the people in the 1750s, 60s, 70s had an opening. They come from their house and throw their waste on an open area by the you know, by, by the swamp or, or the waterway there. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm thinking. And we had to stop. Like, there's mo you kept going every trowel, you'd find artifacts. Yep. So that's another area we're going to go back. And um, it's a lot more work to be done there as well. What, um, about, the, what about the weight that Rick found at the end of the year? What were your impressions? That was significant too, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was exciting. You, you know, I've never, I've never found one excavating, um, and it was just like, what is this? And of course, it's covered in dirt. And this is when you'll hear me say often, "Let's get this back to the lab and clean it up." Yep. And uh, we took it back to the lab, cleaned it up. Uh, Doug took a look at it, and he's, you know, instantly on it, trying to, you know, research it. And uh, it was really exciting when we found out that this sort of weight historically has been used to measure uh, money, mm -hmm. uh, precious metals. Yep. Uh, does it mean that that's what this was used for? No, we can't prove that. Right. Exactly. But it was, it was a weight scale to measure something. Yeah. That's what I, when Not I saw cold. that thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you're exactly. When I saw it on the show, um, once it got cleaned up and he was holding it in his hand, that's what I, I had said to the screen as I was watching, I'm going, it looks like one of those scale weights that you'd put on a scale to balance, you know, to see how much weight in gold or silver or whatever it may be that they're measuring out, how much is actually there. And when he said the number on it, he said, it looks like a five on it. That's when I, that's when it clicked in my head. And I said, it's some sort of a scale weight. And it turns out, I guess that's, are they, they're pretty certain that's what it is. Did yeah. they come to that yeah. final conclusion? Okay, good. Yeah, but they, they didn't send that out, did they, to get it uh, to find out where it came from, the metal yeah. makeup and everything? If they can, if I remember. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, uh, it's being looked at. There's so many. The nice thing about working on this on the show is they have resources. Yeah, most of my projects, I might get to send one car uh, carbon sample off. You know. Yep. But here it's just like they have specialists all over the place, and uh, it's really exciting. Uh, so there's a specialist who I'm sure it's been sent to a specialist, and mm -hmm. we're going to get all the information on it that, that there's out there. Because Laird had a real broad range on that, like 1,300. He really couldn't yeah. pin down a year yeah. on that. There'll, there'll be someone out there who knows exactly what it is. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And, That's for sure. Before I forget, um, your viewers, uh, the viewers are, are, are right on it too. Um, do you remember that long bar that uh, that uh, David Frenetti and uh, Gary found? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they passed it to me and it was badly burned. Mm -hmm. And and this is this is what happens if you get too focused on on thinking something like when we're in the swamp and they're finding the railings. It's ship, 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 ship. Mm -hmm. That's what's on my mind. Right. So when they bring me this iron bar that's been burned, 
and they pass it to me and they say, so what is this? I'm thinking ship. It's something to do with a ship. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, but then a, a viewer, a couple of viewers posted a picture of, of, uh, it's an arm, um, that holds up a big cooking pot and it looked exactly like it. Yep. So, you know, I love it. I love it. Um, I don't know all the answers, not even close, nor does Dr. Spooner. None of us do. So in in the moment, we give our best guess what it is. And that's what we do in the, in you know, not on the show. That's what archaeology, you go back to the lab, you look it up, you talk to people. And then at the end of the day, you write a report and you say what it is. Um, I was wrong. And I, I think that the two of the viewers, that it's it's right. It is the arm for a large cooking pot over a fire. And that would explain why it's so badly burned. Right. Yep. Through, yeah, through hours and hours and days and weeks of being used as that piece, it's definitely going to get covered in, yeah, soot. Yeah. Like that. So yeah. my hat's <laughs> off to, my hat's hmm. off to uh, the viewers who are researching yeah. And I got to say that too, you know, that's why, you know, I love doing our, our Wednesday night or we do a Wednesday night recap show of the, uh, the, the Tuesday nights, uh, you know, TV show. And, and, you know, so many times, you know, I'll just ask a question and there'll be several people that will come up with answers for that. And they may be different answers, but they're always, they're always thinking about this stuff, just like I am. And, you know, it's like when, you know, you know I'll go back to this, you know, we talk about uh, Laird sometimes being the crusher of dreams. And I'll just go on this little tangent for a moment because everybody will find something. It'll be like, ooh, you know, what is this? Is this a, and they found that one little piece that looked like a cane topper. That's what Gary was kind of thinking. It was some sort of a cane topper. And then they showed it to Laird and he goes, oh, it looks like a lipstick case. And everybody's like, what? And all of a sudden, I mean, before he even got to that point, there was people posting on our page pictures of that emblem on the end of a, of a, like a lipstick case or some sort of piece of, you know, like that. And they were posting it and they were finding it all over the, that's what I love about the fact that we have so many members that are engaged in what's going yeah. on and they jump out there immediately and go find out what does this look like? Or, you know, what does it resemble? And that, like you just said, that's phenomenal. And that's exactly why I love doing this because they, oh, they our members are great with that. Yep, yeah. Smart yeah. People. Absolutely. Yep. And so, um, but anyway, going on with that, um, uh, it, 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 Carrie, um, Steinfeld Steinfeld had asked a question, Dr. Taylor, do you deem the most, what do you, I'm sorry, what do you deem the most telling artifact found in the stone pathway? Uh, hate, hate, <laughs> hate to come back to it. Uh, the, the sharpened stakes. Yeah. They give us a date. they show us that it's man-made. Uh, they show it that it was planned. It had planning to it. Uh, so, you know, I know people don't get excited about wood, but, uh, that was the most important, uh, artifact that I found on the road besides the road. <laughs> Yeah, besides the, road, the, the, oh, road's, the road's not bad either. Yeah, um, exactly. We also have a member, Brenda Dixon, asked, uh, "What would you have know, such amazing treasure hunt as you're having now as a fellowship? Did you ever believe you'd be doing something like this at Oak Island?" No, I mean, I I'd heard of Oak Island. I'm not from Nova Scotia. My parents are, so I'd heard of Oak Island, and um, you know, archaeology can be a very serious um, profession, and mm -hmm. You know, and the, the chance to do something fun. I mean, 
the archaeology is serious, don't get me wrong, but you got to pinch yourself sometimes and go, man, I'm on a treasure hunt, mm-hmm. you know, and you use the same methodologies, the same archaeology methodology, but it is fun. If you can't have fun, my two, oh, yeah. my two most important things are work hard, work your butt off and have fun. Yep. And that's what, uh, you know, Miriam and I, we, we had lots of laughs and we had fun and Oh, the end of each the end of each day we would just we would literally come up take off our mic gear uh pour ourselves into our vehicles drive <laughs> home i would eat supper and go to bed yeah but you have to have fun and oh my god we'd have laughs and you know gary uh gary and, and i have very similar uh senses of humor and uh, just tell a quick story um Whenever he'd come by, we would just look at each other and we'd read each other's minds and he would say something and I would start laughing and then I'd say something and then he would start laughing. And then the producers would be like, guys, we got to finish this. And we'd just be laughing and laughing. And a couple of times they're just like, all right. We're taking a 10 minute break. (laughs) And, and Miriam's like, oh, for the love of God, guys, grow up. And it was just like, I'm having too much fun, you know? You're tired. You're near the end of the season. Yep. You got to have laughs. And no, Gary is a laugh machine. Yeah, um, I don't imagine trying to work with when Marion. When you said something about the people bringing you the lead person over stuff so he can investigate it, and Marion looked up to you and said, "That's that's not going to happen." Yeah, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love working with Marion because uh, you know she is a, a bright. Uh, articulate person uh and um she's a straight shooter and she's good at what she does mm-hmm. and viewers she's only 22 yeah. i mean think about that like she graduated to have a camera stuck in your face 10 hours a day imagine going to work wherever you, you work out there the second you show up to work there's a camera in your face and you're mic'd up 10 11 hours a day it's it can be stressful wow, and yeah. Miriam was just a trooper and uh, I hope she comes back. I don't know what the plans are, um, but uh, she she was a lot of fun to work with. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like that. You say, and like, like a Jack had mentioned earlier, it just seemed like you guys uh, you've worked together. Obviously you're working down in Cuba together. So, you know, her, but you guys, you know, worked well together. And then when they brought Liz on uh, Liz and Miriam came kind of on together about the same time and then liz kind of you know was working with laird and that made they them two made an awesome team and then you you and miriam made an awesome team you know i think that that pairing just worked out so very well and i wanted to make it uh you know and you could tell because so much of the time during the season and we like to see that humor pop out from time to time because it, you guys you guys, I, and, and I will say too that, you know, we're living this through your eyes. And so when you guys are laughing, you're serious, you've, you're excited about a find or whatever, you're bringing us into that with you. And we'd love to see the humor. And I would just want to break out, you know, there was that point where Marty came in and Marty was helping you dig in the roadway and Marty found that piece of, you know, that steak, that yeah. uh, short little piece of steak. And he had said something about, he goes, yeah, this is nice, but it wasn't as good as that steak I had last night for dinner. And then you came back with immediately, well, I got no beef for that. I was yeah. rolling. I was <laughs> yeah. rolling. I mean, yeah, that's, 
it's, we, it's, we we have a, a sort of a, a little award called the Drayton Award, and it's for who has the best pun puns over the, the course of a season, and it's the Drayton Award. And I think I got a point and a half for that one. A point so, and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that would I think you would have been a little higher. I don't know what your pointing system is there, but that, that was a good one. I really, I really did like that a lot. That was that was pretty funny. Um <clears throat> Jake Roberts, who by the way, I'll be having on the show here coming up uh on the 22nd. Uh Jake has been doing some really interesting stuff on his own. Uh, he asked a question like this, and he said, <clears throat> aside from the current artifacts to date and possible treasure. Please speculate, and I know that's hard for an archaeologist to do sometimes. But please speculate. What would uh, what would be your uh, dream archaeology archaeologic? <laughs> what would be your dream find on the island? I mean, uh, yeah, speculate if you don't mind there for a moment on that. Uh, besides a besides a, a, a vault full of gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I found the edge of a box here. I don't know what is this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll just ignore it. Go right on by. Um, <laughs> That's nothing. I mean, I was just blown away by this by the stone road through the swamp. I was not expecting that. I was expecting to show up, find some few pieces of broken pottery, and you know, a couple rusty nails, and I'd be done in two weeks. So. Uh, you know, my all my expectations were completely blown away by the stone road through the swamp. And, you know, I spent two months on my hands and knees in the muck, um, loving every minute of it. Yep. So that was enough for me. I don't get caught up. My job isn't to uh, find a treasure. My job is to provide information yep. to to uh, Rick and Marty and Craig pass off information to the historians. Mm -hmm. They'll take the ball and they'll run with it. I can't get caught up hoping to find treasure. I'm mm -hmm. like, what is this? How old is it? What was it used for? And I have to stay grounded in that because if I get just caught up in the whirlwind of treasure hunting, mm -hmm. I'm no good. I'm just a treasure hunter with no plan, no strategy. I'm not helpful for Rick and I'm wasting his time. Yep. I need to be focused and I need to be telling him what I'm finding. He can take it or not. Right. But so I can't get caught up in the roads. But yeah, would I love to find a treasure chest? Of course. Mm -hmm. But I have to stay focused on the task at hand. And that's what is it? How old is it? And what was it used for? Right. Yeah, that's uh, Brendan Dixon said professional, and that's exactly right. That's uh, you. You are really a professional uh, in what you're doing, and that's very similar to what Laird had said. Um, you know, when they had asked him to come out, because more speed. You know, archaeologists are not treasure hunters. You guys are the facts. You find facts and put those facts together to to uh, complete a story. And um, he, he was very adamant about that. I'm not a treasure hunter, um, so he wouldn't answer questions like that. You know, he said, but again. Would it be nice to, to come across a chest or a vault or something? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, goes without saying that I think any of us would, would love that. Um, and you're adding to history while you're doing it, also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Benefit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, uh, Mary, um, Mary Louise uh, McMahon uh, asked a question um, 
what uh, what has most surprised you? And I think you've answered this by the Stone Road, possibly. But what has most surprised you during your Oak Island experience? Um, and um, when did you first hear about Oak Island? So, I heard about Oak Island as a young boy. I remember watching, forget the show, Mysteries or something with Leonard Nimoy talking about Oak mm. Island yep. as a young. I remember okay. that. Um, you know what surprised me the most was how well uh, everyone got along. Mm -hmm. That surprised me. It's been few times that I've ever been on a, a, a crew that large, even a smaller crew, where everyone is pulling for each other, working mm -hmm. our butts off, including the camera crew, including the producers, including the cast, including the people cooking the food. It's just like this one team and, you know, we're all tired, but we're all just like, you know what, I can do better. And so that surprised me just how, how much people liked each other, were pulling for each other. And I think it all goes back to the right to the top. Yep. Rick, Marty, Craig, they yep. set the tone and you buy into it or you're not on the island. Yep. And um, so that that it's it is a fellowship. And did we argue and disagree and have some fights? Absolutely. Absolutely. We did not agree on everything. Um, lots of times we didn't agree on anything, but <laughs> but it was all with the common goal. We had the common goal and there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. Exactly. Yep. And right. the end of the day, best idea wins. Doesn't matter if it's coming from me yeah. or Rick or Miriam cameramen were piping in going well i actually seen something like that before wonderful yep so to answer your question that that's just how how much people um got along and and really pulled for one another i mean on, on the show and i've seen comments about gary possibly planting stuff or you know it's yeah. always gary spends days finding blasting caps beer bottle tops, um, you know, and so every hundred times he goes into the ground, he might find something really interesting and you're pulling for him. Yep. Like I don't want him to find a blasting cap, you know, but he spends hours and hours finding nothing, yep. modern garbage. And I just want people to know he does not plant anything. He works his butt off. And when he finds something, He's authentically excited. Yeah, he doesn't put it on for the cameras. Oh, that comes, that comes through automatically. It does. It really does. That's true, Jack. It does. When you see him get excited and holy shamuli, all right, or whatever, you, you're right. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier about you guys. We, we're living this through your eyes and your actions, and when we see him do that, uh, get excited about something, we're excited too. It's like, oh, what did he find? And in in watching that drilling down episode that was just on a week or so ago. Um, the making of, which I loved that one. I really, really did love that. You seen, you know, we we saw that the camera crew, the sound guys, those guys are in it too. I mean, they are so excited. Okay, I hope Gary finds something, you know, today. And he found some coins, and he was all excited. And they were, it was just so. Everybody is invested in this, and you get the fever yeah. of being on the island, like you said. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, um, Dave. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at another question he had. He had a couple of them. Uh, Ned Zwickley, uh, Dave Ned Zwickley had another question about the 
um, that we we did talk about the one where he had mentioned about the stone foundation, the area where you could put a hole at your arm up there. And I still have that picture up, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got so interested in everything you were saying, I forgot I still had that picture showing. But he he asked about that one there, and you had answered that already. Another question that he had was about the wharfs. Um, and we don't know, but he asked this, and he said the wharfs on the west side uh, of the pond on the ball property, he had noticed a stone on the land stone on the land um, for the wharf that looks identical to the stone path that you were following in the swamp. Have you ever taken a look at this feature uh, to see if there's any kind of a tie to the stone road? Have you been able to look at those features at all? No, nah, no. I, I mean, it's definitely worth a, a look. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm open for, for any ideas. I'm talk to Laird about that. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, nothing's, everything's on the table. Yeah, I would think so. You know, yeah. And Good that's question. something about this being the COVID year, you know, Rick and Marty both had talked about that, that, you know, that everything was, you know, they were talking about the end of season seven doing the big dig. Um, so we expected, you know, all right, we're going to get in here. We're going to get the big dig. Well, they ran out of time. COVID, they didn't get on the island until like early July or something like that to really get going. So that was put on, you know, on the shelf. Um but because of COVID and because of that, we got to meet you. And I think you guys were all brought out on the island and you got to explore areas that may never have been discovered if it hadn't been for the COVID delay. Do you agree with that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. A little bright light in a dark period of time. Exactly right. Well, and then like you said. I, re I reckon insisting on it the whole time that the swap was the key. Yeah. He kept repeating it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. There was even that point where Marty said, you know, he was joking. And again, here's a little bit of humor from Marty where he was joking with Rick going, I told you that there was something to the swamp all along. You know, we're like, yeah, you hated the swamp. You didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yeah. We, <laughs> we certainly uh, saw that, but that was, and that was exciting. You know, it's always, like I said, that uh, the fun. Um, and I'm going to jump back to, you know, there was a question about the burn areas in the road and there was actually several, I think, or you found a couple of them. Um, and, and, and Dave, um, Ed Zwickley had also asked about this, but also Judy Arutabush had asked about the heat. Um, she said to heat up all that, um, in going back to the pine tar kiln, um, shouldn't there be a lot of charcoal? You did find some, but yeah, was there... we found, we found a lot of charcoal. In the pine tar uh, kiln? In the pine tar kiln, yeah. Um, and that's why we, we knew that it was multiple burning events. Mm -hmm. um, there, was a, there was a substantial. Um, and so, you know, they, they put a barricade up and then they stacked the wood on one side. So you had a lot of charcoal on the upland part, mm -hmm. but uh, and there was a line of stone, but on the downward slope, there wasn't any. So the burning event was uh was uh defined in one area okay. it wasn't spread all throughout like a forest fire might have done or right right campfires right. or something it was it was in one and it, and it sort of matches up what the pine tar kilns in scandinavia would have looked like again 70 percent pine tar kiln it's the leading it's the leading theory until something comes along right. and is better yep and you mentioned that you have to go with that exactly um, so yeah, and then <laughs> that's a very good description. Yeah. That's what Brenda was just saying too. 
Um, and then Dave also had a question about the uh, the large burn area in the turn road got a little attention. And, it, and again, you talked about that a little bit already, but there was a couple of them, I guess, found in the road, um, a couple of different burn areas. But um, but again, we'll see more about the road, I think, coming up, hopefully in the next season when you get the chance to see where in the world does it really lead to. And again, I know that, uh, you know, some people didn't like that whole road part at all. They're like, find some treasure. Well, no, but this, this does tell a story. It really does. And, and, and I think you have to be more on that history side, really wanting that history side to be able to um, be told um, that, you know, you want that. I do anyway. I really want that information. I want to know how many more roads there are. We may, you have not mm -hmm. been up all the way yet to see if there are more roads going up that way, even toward the anomaly. In Amelie yeah. or anything else. Yeah, we need to know what was going on on that island leading up to uh, the 1795. You know, we're pretty sure what happened after 1795, but we need to figure out what happened before 1795. Right, exactly. And if we can do that, maybe we can find exactly where the money pit is or we'll understand exactly you know, who, who built it. And like mm -hmm. all of this is building a bigger picture exactly. and otherwise you're just digging blindly. Um, yeah. My opinion. Yep. You're right. Um, there was also a question and this was one of Linda's, um, uh, Linda Simpson, <clears throat> our admin, she had mentioned, she said, what did we find out about? Remember when the, you found that leather strap, uh, like a, oh, yes. a bootstrap or something. What did we find out about that? What was the final conclusion on what that was? Uh, I believe possibly most likely uh, a book binding uh, for a book binding. I believe that's what the episode was. They took it to a specialist in Halifax yep. and I believe yeah. he thinks it's from a book binder. Um, not, not sure. Okay. Not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like a strap to a, a journal or something. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Like a leather bound book. Yep. Um, with okay. a strap on it and who knows what they might have needed that right. book for. Yep. And one area that we kind of jumped over, we didn't talk too much about, and we we're getting, we got about 20 minutes left or so. We get about two hours. I like to hold these to two hours because it just yeah. gets too long for everybody. And, and you've got things to do in your day as well. I know. Um, but I wanted to touch back about the, the mound. Um, you know, initially when you had been brought out to the mound, you looked at it and you, because of your familiarity, I just blew that word. Uh, you being familiar with other uh, mounds and serpent mounds, you had mentioned it kind of reminded you of that uh, initially. Uh, but then was it your take that that was nothing really more than a spoils pile after all? Uh, so it wasn't well presented that episode. Mm. When Laird and I were called to that, we immediately said, this is a spoils pile. Ah. I said, I grew up in Southern Ontario, 20 minutes from the Serpent Mound Provincial Park. I've seen Serpent Mounds. This ain't one. Mm. I can understand why Doug, who by, it has a serpentine shape to it. Yep. Yep. So I can, I, you know, I was trying to support Doug saying, I can see where he might have thought this. And Laird and I both didn't come across that way on TV. Yeah. Laird and Laird and I both said, it's a, it's a spoils pile. It's too crude. It's got massive boulders. And so I was a little surprised to see the episode where, you know, and I, when mm -hmm. I'm saying clearly this, and then they said, well, do you want to excavate it? And I'm like, you want to pay me to excavate a spoils pile? All right. Um, <laughs> we excavated it. Um, uh, 
you know, uh, we cross-sectioned it, and there, it's a spoils pile. Mm. The interesting thing about it, though, that doesn't mean it's not interesting. Right. We found artifacts, a nail from 1380 to 1440. Mm -hmm. So where was this spoil pile from? Right. That's the interesting question. Isn't that also oh, where Gary yeah. found a part of cannon also, wasn't it? From the spoils pile? Uh, I think that um, was I did the spoils pile, yeah. Yeah, I, don't I think, think the cannon parts there. were found down in the south south end of the island, and the spoils pot, that mound was on the northern end of the island. Uh, Maybe I, on both on lot fifteen or somewhere. Around. I forget where the cannon parts were found, but they were, I think, kind of an opposite end of uh, north to south on the island uh, initially. Yeah, but, so, uh, so and you know, and, and you got to be careful when you're talking serpent mounds because you're talking about First Nations history, and yep. and you know, and Laird and I were very like we were very clear this is not a serpent mound and so we, i was quite surprised to see them calling it on the show mm -hmm. um so anyone out there listening it was always thought of as a spoils pile by the archaeologists by dr spooner so anyone out there listening it is not a serpent <laughs> mound never was never will be right yeah, and that's something that uh, and 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 Jack and I were talking about that because if it had been some sort of a serpent mound or a burial mound or something like that, that's all halt right there. There's no more right. And is that my uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And you know, we'd call in the proper uh, people. You know, we wouldn't. It, you know, it'd be. You know, we wouldn't do anything with we we call in the proper people. But the first thing Laird and I said was, "It's a spoil." And I remember Rick going, "Okay." One in a hundred, or what percentage chance is it? Is it a serpent mound? And Laird and I said, "Is there a number less than one?" You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yep. yeah, that that got a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, it's hard to say about that, but uh, but anyway, when you had, I think it was Scott came out. Scott Barlow came out and actually took the excavator and actually pulled a big section right out of you know cut a slice in it. Uh, across of it and uh and then you were with miriam there and you guys were like yeah it's definitely uh a spoils pile but then again like you said you found that rosehead spike in there i think it was a rosehead if i remember correctly yeah. um yeah. that gary found over there um it it, it 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 does that mean it's not significant i think it might be the thing is is where did those spoils come from like you mentioned where did those, and if if it, and what's interesting is um did the person who dug them so there, it's from a pit and right. there's a couple of pits nearby. Did Fred Nolan see something, something built that he said, I'm going to put my pit here. And I brought up that the bottom was the early artifacts. Mm -hmm. So they're the first up, uh, right. first up, first down. Did he see something that made him dig there? He wasn't just dig holes everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. He strategically <laughs> dug a pit there, and did he see something? And that's a question that intrigues me. Right. I mean, I would be one of those people that would be like, okay, so you guys are writing this off. You guys are all busy over in those important areas on the island. I want to go through this, and I want to see what else we can find. Now, I know Gary went over it with his metal detector. And, and again, we see Gary when he's working a certain area of the metal detector. We see him for just a couple of minutes where he probably spent hours. But... But you know that'd be the thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind uh, be invited out to just dig in that. You know, I would just dig through that to see what else could be found there because there may be other answers that would give you an idea of really where, like you said, 
where did it come from? Yeah. That's, that's, I think it's very interesting to find out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um, let's see. Um, question I have for you. Are you, are you as amazed as Rick and Marty are at how much this show has ex literally exploded with millions of viewers and thousands of questions, podcasts like us and everything. I mean, in your wildest dreams, did you ever think this, this will grow like this and explode? Yes, I'd be lying if I said no, but it's it's a really it's a really touching story about and I'm not the person who, who came up with this about a family and it's about uh, Rick and Marty and this brotherhood and uh, it's a romantic story. You know, it's it's an interesting, compelling story and they've they've got some great characters in it you know so after before going on the island i was i was surprised how popular it was but after being a part of it i can see the attraction and there's so much that's made up and i'm i don't have a problem with scripted tv but it's now it, it, every now and then it's nice to watch something that's real exactly right th at the end of every episode there's there's not some great treasure that we found it's a lot about frustration and you know it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to and that's compelling being able to be on a real treasure hunt with the highs and the lows lots of lows but i think i think people like that they don't need a, a uh, you know a gift wrap with a shiny bow on it after every episode yeah well some people do cuz i get that it you know we you're talking to people about it and they go oh you mean that show where they just keep finding wood or whatever it's like Yes, but but you, if you really watch the show and if you're interested in the history and what all that that would all tells a story, you know, it, you know, like you said with the, the the stakes you found in the swamp or a piece of chunk of wood that they dig up from the money pit and they date back before the you know the uh, the actual finding of it, so you know it's it's pre searcher. Um, it's significant. It does tell a story and it is important, you know. And and if you're invested in the story that's where you, you get that but if you're not you're like yeah they just keep finding wood you know whatever i'm not you know yeah. okay well you're not interested in history and you're not interested in you know what were those people doing 180 feet underground you know yeah. <laughs> why yeah. were they there why did they make a big chamber down there or whatever that's uh that's what how uh, they dug 180 feet down with you know, how did they, they do had. it anyway without how many men did it take to do that so um yeah. one one more interesting question here as we start to wrap up uh uh, Joel Horsley asked this question. Uh, she wanted to know, she said, uh, uh, if you would go back in time on the island, this is interesting because I thought this is kind of a, one of those, you know, make you think about it questions. If you could go back in time on the island, what period would it be for you personally? You may never think about that kind of thing, but I was just wondering, because now you've kind of seen, you've kind of uh, had a chance to look at the different layers going from the you know pre 1300s all the way through to the finding of the money pit what 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 time period would you be wanting to check out i i'd like to go back to 1680 um when the stone road was being built that makes and sense. Say, what are you doing yeah. um you know just before we go um uh we keep talking about men what i really think has been underreported and i've been thinking of the idea of writing a book about the women of Oak Island. Oh yeah. They're, they're a story that hasn't been told 
and I think they were really important to the treasure hunting. And uh, I think it's a really interesting story that needs to be told. And so I've been playing with the idea about uh, writing a book on the women of Oak Island. And I don't do know it. if anyone would would be interested in reading it, but I, I just think it's a story that's been neglected. Yep. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, then the memorial that Rick has done there, of course, to the uh, to the women that I hope, you know, we keep thinking about, well, if they def find out where exactly where the money pit is so they can do the the, the big dig, hopefully it doesn't, you know, end up, well, sorry, memorial, but we'll have to build you back after <laughs> we're done because we're going to tear up part of this thing to put the big dig in. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but you're very, you're, that's very, very true um, that there were some very, and women that had to put up with a lot that, you know, over the years with their husbands digging and, spending their entire lives like uh you know uh dan the rest alls come to mind the rest alls yeah i mean oh my gosh in the trans yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah. yeah that would you you should do that you should write that book because yeah. if it interests you enough to to put it down onto paper and to research it i think it you know that's one of those things where you feel compelled to do something uh, mm -hmm. you would i think you would find a lot of people wanting to know the answers to that yeah and, and see what well, you come up with i'd be interested in it right for sure i might just do that yeah now there's a lot of i see the members are right now a lot of wow what a great idea susan said and said brenda said write the book and dave's clapping <laughs> ruth and ruth is saying do it dr taylor strong women yeah so everybody's jumping on board they want that right book. on you got a, you got awesome. a good idea all right there. all right <laughs> did you ever get a chance to meet dave blankenship before he passed away Aaron? i didn't unfortunately no no yeah. yeah unfortunately no i heard he i heard he was a great man um oh, he came across that way in the show yeah yeah, yeah everyone speaks fondly of him yeah i just didn't know yeah. if, what the timing was but he no. was a history of himself of yeah, that island. i heard he seemed yeah, like he might have been a hard nature yeah, a very hard man. I mean, he was seemed like he was very set in his ways. Um, that he was when he got determined about doing something, you don't don't try to stop him from doing that. That kind of person. Not that he wasn't nice or nothing like that. But when you, I got the feeling by watching, you know, some of the shows that were done on the drilling downs and talking about his history and his past a little bit. He seemed like the man that when he was determined to do something, don't get in his way because he's gonna he's gonna be determined. He's gonna get to what he was looking for. And I'm amazed by the fact that he was able to find, you know, when I read the story about the fact that he found 10X, the chamber down below 10X by with divining rods, and that told him, yes, there's a chamber down here. And then he went through the expense to put all those, his version of caissons down through there, and he found it, and there was a chamber down there. It just amazes me. I mean, I just, I'm still fascinated by the fact that dowsing rods told him it was there. Not that I don't believe in those, but I, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, how in the heck does that those things work? And yet it was there and he found it. And it was, yeah. yeah. Did it did it find it in the treasure? No. We were hoping that by the time that um, that he, uh, before he passed away, that they would definitely find something. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But um, many of us were hoping that he would, you know, and his story would be vindicated. And it's the same thing we're talking about now with your work in the swamp. And the fact that Fred Nolan was so adamant about that swamp that he knew there was many answers. And so now the work you are doing are vindicating him and his belief that that swamp was important. Um, and then there was also the question about it being two separate islands. You've heard this many times, I'm sure. And that the fact that there was ocean water between the two. What do you feel about that? What's your thoughts on that real quick? Uh, it's not impossible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's definitely possible. Um, you know, sea level has been rising and dropping, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, earth landscapes change. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's in definitely in Doctor Spooner's area of expertise, but uh, I don't think it's it, it's impossible. Um, yep. Interesting. Which we're gonna, we're we're trying to we've reached out to Doctor Spooner about coming on, um, and he hasn't committed yet. So and that's fine. We're we're kind of, but I'm hoping that one day he will because again, as you've mentioned here yourself, he's a man with he's very professional. Um, and when you know we wrapped up the season that uh, for those of you in Canada haven't seen, um, but when he well, I guess he was on the second to last one too, talking about the when they took the water samples from C one. And the yeah. other and the other wells around the area, some wells that I didn't even know existed. He got those water samples out of there, and then he found that uh, silver and copper and zinc uh, elements found in there. And he and one his question in the war room was, "Do you believe there's treasure?" I mean, he was serious. And he, you know, when when he comes across that way, and he's very you know talking about a truckload of you know Gary uh, or Billy Gerhardt truckload of silver to make that much in the water. I'm on board with him. I mean, I, I'm like, you're, yeah, let's go. Let's, he's telling he, the. He's a he's a remarkable guy. Uh, you don't get it a lot on the show, but he is a very funny guy. Is he? You know, when when it's work time, he's very serious. But he is a very funny guy. And last year, he actually won Teacher of the Year at Acadia University. Really? Wow. Really? He is excellent. Excellent. Wow. And a good friend of mine, and. Um, I love spending time with him. He is a neat guy. Yeah. Well, tell him to tell him that he should come on the show with us sometime yeah. so we can talk to him. And if, if he wants to come him. on with you, that's fine. We can, you know, if he wants to have somebody else come on too. If he's- I'd be I'd be more than happy to 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 share a stage with Doctor Spooner. Oh man, great guy, great guy. He, def- yeah. he definitely had a quote of the year. We'll put it that way. Well, oh, yeah. asking everybody, do you believers? Yeah. And then he said seriously right after it. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yep. And that's what everybody looked up like, whoa. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No ego. He's not afraid to be wrong. You know, he's you know, he's he's Dr. Spooner, you know, he's he's internationally <laughs> known and yep, just like you are now too. Just a guy you'd love to have a beer with. He just he's just yep. a great guy. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I, and that's something that and again, wrapping up here, I would say that all of you guys uh, and women uh, that are on the island uh, are working so hard to to get to the end and get us some answers on this. Um, every one of you that I've met, uh, and I get the impression the others that I haven't met are all just wonderful people that, you know, again, I would love to sit down someday and just have a beer in the mug and anchor and just talk about stuff all day I, I, with any of you guys. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and, you know, they're just so much you just seem so real to us, uh, friendly and like you and everybody that I've talked to every, every cast member that I've talked to and theorists that I've talked to have all said the same thing, a wonderful group of people that yeah. you would want to get to know. And I, and we all do every one of us, we want to get to know you. I mean, and well, let's, and, let's, uh, let's hope this COVID passes quickly and we can have that beer. I know. Oh, yeah. Well, Tony Samson's here. Yeah, Tony's in the. He's yeah. At least he was. He I saw his name pop up, and everybody was saying hi to him there. Uh, yeah. Tony comes on. He frequents our show very much, and our group. Another great he, guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lots and of I, I, you know, yeah. we're 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 going to bring about. I think we got somewhere near three hundred people that are going to come up and go on his boat tour, his salty dog sea tours, 
And then yeah, we're yeah. all going to get, I hope they have a lot of seating outside the mug and anchor because I told them I'd buy them a pint and we're all going to sit around there and have a pint and talk about stuff. And I was going to do a live show from there. So man, if we could, I, I would, would love to meet you in person, sir. I tell you, it's been an I honor would. to have you on twice. My um, pleasure. A fountain of information and such a professional person uh, in your field. Uh, and we, I, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your insights with us. And, um, I, I just hope and pray that things work out. You get back on the island. Um, I know that you guys are in shutdown right now. Is that correct? You guys are all closed yeah. down? Yeah. Do not leave your house. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We've been through that, you know, here. I'm, yeah. I'm in uh, western Pennsylvania. And I'm, we, in, and I'm in Ohio. So yeah. And we went out. through that, too. We're not now. Um, we're allowed to go out. We have to wear our masks when we go out and stuff like that. But uh, we really hope that this passes for you guys quickly and that Thank you are you. able to get back out and about and that we hope that you stay healthy and your family and, uh, and also the Oak Island team, the people that are there in Nova Scotia, we hope that you all stay uh, uh, healthy and make it through this and get on that Island soon. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much and stay safe, everyone. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for being here. Yeah, folks, uh, thank, thank you, you so much for everybody that's come out and watched uh, with us today. This has been a fascinating couple of hours that we've been able to share with Dr. Taylor. Uh, and again, hats off to him for coming on the show once again with us. But we really appreciate all of you that have come and watched today. You guys have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye now. Thank you all for joining us here today. My name is Jeff Freeman, and this has been a recording of the Curse of Oak Island and Beyond live stream. Please join us for future shows that we have for the podcast platform anytime right here at JFree906. Again, thank you for joining us.